Hello, world. Welcome to another week of Golf Subpar. Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz. Sleaze, our boy Justin Thomas got amongst it this weekend at the Players. Man, what a week. That was fun to watch. I, um, that, that weekend, the ball striking clinic he just put on that weekend, I mean, it was wild. Uh, I, I knew it was good watching it. You heard his interview afterwards that this may be one of the best ball striking rounds I've ever had. And then after the tournament, the stats come out. He gained 11.19 strokes on the field, tee to green, on Saturday and Sunday. The most ever gained since they started keeping track in 2004. Yeah. So literally, yeah. that was the best ball striking in the history of golf since they since they started keeping the stats. Yeah, a lot of before. a lot of people might not know what the hell that means. I'll just tell you, it's really good. You just hit it close. You he, hit it right where you're looking, pretty yeah. much every single time. I mean, Sunday, you know, coming from behind to win, hitting 12 of 14 fairways around that joint, 17 of 18 greens. If, and just didn't even putt that great, and he was still able to get it done. But so happy for him. He's obviously been through a lot. You know, the incident in Hawaii happened, um, losing his grandfather. You know, the morning of Phoenix Open, he's he's been down in the dumps lately, and this he need he hadn't been playing a golf either. Um, so this was a this was a big week for him. Very very happy for him. <laughs> Two point seven million. That'll put a smile on your face. Cheer you up quick. Um, but this is a guy heading into Augusta, a place that he he, he loves. He got gets better at every year. Look out. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. Like he was able to win this golf tournament, and he lost. He lost two strokes putting on Saturday. I mean, he did not putt well at all. He won this golf tournament strictly based on him hitting it way better than everyone else in the field. And there, there aren't many guys on the PGA Tour that can do that. When I look around, like who, who have guys we've seen, we've seen Rory maybe do that in the past. Maybe DJ. Now we've seen JT do it. But to to beat these guys on a golf course like that and putting it below, not even average, below average, well below average on Sunday. To do that, I mean, if you don't have him circled for for Augusta, um, I don't know what you're looking for because his and the the cool thing I thought about what he did yesterday was, you know, the conversation right now is ball goes too straight, it goes too far, no one's hitting shots or things like that. I mean, we saw Justin Thomas do tons of things with the golf ball. That drive on 16, the little intentional rope hook that he just mm -hmm. rifled around the corner there. You don't see a lot of guys doing that. The way he was moving his irons into the wind, he was hitting it high, he was hitting it low. He was doing so many things with the golf ball that just. Not a lot of guys do. You got guys that are good drawers and they hit a draw every shot or good faders. They fade every shot. He can do whatever he wants out there. And that's part of the reason why you can go gain 11 shots on the field yep. in two days. Zero weaknesses. And he is the player's champ pocketing $2.7 million. But Sleaze, it's time to get to our guest this week. Very special guest. He's a, he's a coach of the pros. I know you've, you've spent some time with him. I've spent yes. some time with him. But Boyd Summerhays was in the building. Yeah, not just a coach of the pros. Coach, uh, some of his best pupils are under his own <laughs> under his own roof yeah. at home. Preston Summerhays is the number one junior coming out, coming to, going to ASU, defending U.S. Junior Am champ. And then his daughter, Grace, who's going to go wherever the hell she wants, if she wants to go anywhere. She might be They're going right to the LPJ Tour. I was actually with them both uh, yesterday. There was a, um Arizona Junior Golf Association Thunderbird Invitational down here at Papago. Uh, show up. They both show up. They're uh, Preston was leading by four, went on to win the golf tournament, and then Grace won. So there was a picture with the whole family there at the end holding trophies, and I think they've done that a ton of times. There's just not many people that can beat them. The Summer Hayes Invitational. Yeah, they got a good thing going there. But he, he's yeah. a, an incredible coach, a lot of good young talent, and uh, we'll get into it in the interview, but an incredible player in his own. Like, yeah, nobody was, knows how good he – or like talks about how good he was coming up. Yeah, he was He was also a number one junior coming out of, coming out of high school, went to Oklahoma State, um, obviously most well-known for coaching Tony Finau. And we get into that and a lot more, but it was it was awesome to stay with Boyd, one of the nicest dudes on oh, the planet, without question. Yeah, one of the nicest. And I know when he's on the golf course with his kids, they have some music going. They listen to our official sponsor, Rock Form, because they like to get amongst it too. Why wouldn't you? Exactly. Why wouldn't you? We so, had our little member member this weekend. I was Rock Forming it up again this weekend. It was sleeting. It was hailing. It was doing all kinds of shit. Rock Form kept on ticking. It was fantastic. Didn't have to charge it in between rounds. Just kept that pulled that thing out of the bag. Bam, stamped it on there. 
and kept it moving, man. There's no better there's no better speaker in the biz. It, there's no doubt about it. You can pair two speakers together, get it really, really loud. But like you mentioned, it was sleeting, maybe raining a little bit at Whisperock. No problem. It's waterproof. Yeah, it was slippery. We took the thing off the one day, dropped it right there on the cart path. Guess what? Nothing. Stamped it back on. Kept on ticking. Some of these other speakers, they break, not rock form. Strong to quite strong. But I'm with you. The battery life is my favorite thing because we always forget to charge that thing. It's got over 24 hours of battery life. You can play I mean, pretty much six rounds if you play at a decent pace yes. and not have to worry about charging your rock form. But go pick yourself up one. Go to rockform.com. That's R-O-K-F-O-R-M.com. Enter code subpar for 25% off and get amongst it with rock form. All right, here he is, Boyd Summerhays on Golf Subpar. All right, we got one of the hottest instructors in the game of golf with us here tonight. He works with Tony Finau, Wyndham Clark, Scott Harrington, and his customary all-black everything ensemble. Boyd Summerhays, welcome, brother. Sleaze, what's up? Good to be here. Gravy. I'm pumped. Boyd, you gotta tell <laughs> so. Like, if if we walked in your closet right now, is it just seriously all one color, all black? Ninety-five percent black, three percent light black, and then <laughs> you know I you got a couple. I, I do. I just like yeah. black. It's funny because. When I look back and I, when I was playing, I was in a lot better shape. So I tend to, I, I wore some colors, wore some stripes. Um, now, as a coach, gained a few pounds, all black, baby. It makes all it black. easy. So. I, would, I, would, I texted you during the Ryder Cup. I remember at Hazel, uh, no, not at, at Par- in Paris. Yep. And you were in red, white, and blue. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. How weird do you look right now? That was <laughs> how like, weird do you feel? Those are the two times, two yeah. weeks where President's Cup, Ryder Cup, or Junior President's Cup for my son yeah. or daughter. Um, that feels great, but other than that, it does feel weird. I'm just used to seeing myself in black, and I like the way I look. Like, I had a black car. My first car was black, and I just like the color. And I know, I guess it's not a color, but to me it is. I, can see I you. saw you at the Ryder Cup. Yeah. I was like, that. I didn't even recognize it. I was like, that yeah, a lot of people did white hat, blue shirt, red, whatever. I can see you, like, does this match? Yeah, well, the, <laughs> the funny thing is, too, is you know, the coaches don't get the team uniforms. Mm-hmm. And so I'm over there, and I'm, like, looking at the colors, red, white, and blue, and I'm like, dang. I got like Canadian red on right now, <laughs> like the Canadian flag. So I'm like, I'm just so out of touch with the colors Carolina that I blue. couldn't even pull it off. Yeah. That is awesome. Well, it's let's... easy to get dressed in the morning, though. It what is. should I go with? The black hoodie, the black pullover? I love it. Yeah, it's nice. I'm fine. Yep. It saves you time. You look great. You always match. No worries. Slimming. I was kind thinking of, about throwing a curveball. I'm wearing some white Coming tonight. In. If you showed up in like pink orange. or something, I might have fallen out of this chair. I know. It would have yeah. been weird. But let's talk a little bit about you. And first off, just the Summerhays family. Because when, yeah. you, when you hear the name Summerhays, I think everyone automatically thinks of golf. I mean, your grandfather was the coach at the University of Utah. Your father was the president of the Utah Golf Association, was on the USGA committee. committee. Your Uncle Bruce was a winner on the Champions Tour. And your brother Daniel, absolute stud on the PGA Tour, yeah. almost won the PGA Championship. You played on the PGA Tour. Yeah. I mean, did you know growing up just – like golf is what I what I'm gonna do. Yeah, how'd you get into golf? Yeah, <laughs> yeah ex- exactly. How'd you pick golf? Well, it was interesting because my uncle was the most well known player, and people assumed that me and Daniel were taught by my uncle Bruce. But in reality, my dad was just a golf nut. He's still to this day. He's in his 70s, and he plays every day he can. And he's always, you know, trying to figure it out. It, me and my brother kind of laugh. We'll be playing with him. But he'll be like, "I got it." watch this. I think I got it figured out. And it's like, that's so cool. Like it is in my blood. It's a passion for our family. And my dad loved the game. And so I'm one of seven siblings. My dad would get two tee times and we'd have two foursomes and we'd just go play. So my mom didn't play, but my dad did. And I think that was his way of getting us in the game, allowed him to chase his passion and score some points with mom. But, and I think I learned a lot from that. You can see myself, I can see myself doing a lot of the same things my dad did to make the game fun and competitive for my kids. But yeah, no doubt. It's um, it's a family obsession. 
for a while there, man, some of the family reunion golf tournaments were pretty intense. Oh, it's like shooting even bar, you lose. <laughs> yeah, we had, at one point, my uncle was on the Champions Tour. I was on the PGA Tour. Daniel was on the Corn Ferry Tour. Bruce's daughter was on the LPGA Tour. And his son was playing some mini tour golf and some got in a PGA Tour event and played and some Corn Ferry Tour events. And so it would get a little testy at the family ranking yeah, there, tournaments, some, you know. There's some good golf families out there. You might be from top to bottom, like, the most successful last name in golf, like, like all the way across the board from generation to generation to generation. You know, it's cool to see how the name kind of has grown a little bit. At the time, I felt like it was more of like a Utah, fam- uh, Utah Summer Haze golf, mm-hmm. you know, name. And then, obviously, my uncle had some good success, and then Daniel played for eight years, and then as I started to teach and then my kids started to do some nice stuff, I kind of did see that people did see us as a golfing family well, for sure. Is it your cousin? I played with at yeah. the PGA at Baltistraw. Oh yeah. Like you Daniel play with, yeah. My, yeah. There you go. Yeah. My, my cousin Another Joseph. I forgot, Another I forgot like, about that. Yeah. This one? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. I, so, I got paired with him the first two days. Of the you PGA. see some on the leaderboard. It'd be one of eight people. You're yeah. like, All right, which one is it? Well here pretty soon. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of them Maybe. out there. It's, it's uh, yeah, we'll really, get really into that cool a little bit more. But at what age did you know? Because, I mean, you're the number one junior in the country at yeah. 16. You won three junior worlds. At what age did you know, like, okay, I've got something here, and golf is going to be my future? When I was 14. Yeah. When I won the first junior world, I was 10. And I, that was I'm, – I'm pretty young. Mm-hmm. But when I was 14 and I won the second one and then started to travel more and play and see where my game was at, that's when I thought – Okay, this is what I'm going to do for a living for sure. Who were some of the other studs growing up that you played against? So at Oklahoma State, my roommate was Charles Howell mm-hmm. the third. We were buddies growing up. We met each other at the U.S. Junior when we were both 14-year-olds that got to the round of 16. He actually got to the quarters, I believe, maybe even the semis. But that's where we first met. And then we decided to go to college together. And then Bryce Mulder, uh, David Gossett, oh, Sergio, geez. you know, he okay. came over to the yeah. States and played. Dudes. Yeah. A couple dudes. You know, the Junior Worlds, you know. We got paired the last couple of days together. But those were kind of my age. And then, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting now being out there as a coach when I was playing with them as junior golfers, college, you know, players, and then pros. So at the, the first couple of years, I think people looked at me and they would just think, okay, are you really going to stay coaching or are you just buying time to go back and play? So, I mean, it's been a long time since anyone said, hey, are you ever going to play again? <laughs> they know I'm not going to, but at the time it was weird to be coaching going to events where you're, you know, coaching at events where you're playing with players, you know, growing up your yeah, whole life. Yeah, because all the players out there know you as a great player because yeah. they came up with you. I feel like the fans that are watching, most of the people listening <clears throat> probably see you as a coach and know you as yeah, a for coach. Sure. Like, don't, uh, like, sell yourself short. You're the number one junior in the world. You want, what, yeah. 75 junior golf and high school wins? I mean, you were, like, the guy coming up, Ish. yeah? More or less. That's what the internet says, so it's true. <laughs> yeah, it has to be true, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... You know, I know that I did some good stuff as a player, and when I got my PGA Tour card, I started to make a few mistakes, and, and I learned from those. But, yeah, as as a player growing up, I do feel like it helped me in my coaching career because I think some people had that built-in respect that I had played, that I knew what, what it was like to play at a high level, play under those kind of conditions and nerves, but also understand the ups and downs, you know. I know what it's like to play good, and I know what it's like to play bad. And so I think that seeing both spectrums of that helped me as a coach for sure, and I think gained some trust in a lot of the players that ended up working with me. Yeah, you said you made some mistakes. I mean, you, you had yeah. an 11-year professional career. You played, yeah. I think, 29 PGA Tour yep. events, but you had, a, you had quite a bit of injuries. But what mistakes are you referring to? Like, if you could go back right now and change a few things, what would it be? Yeah, so I'm stubborn by nature. I see that in my kids, too, and I love it. Preston's really stubborn. Grace is stubborn. Cam's really stubborn. They get it from me, no doubt. But I didn't listen to everybody. On the way up, I kind of trusted a few people, and I just put my head down and got to work, played a ton of tournaments. 
I would work on shots when I go to the range. If I went and played and didn't know how to do something, I'd try to figure it out. And when I got my tour card, you know, I had, you alluded to some injuries. I had a back injury. And then ever since then, it was like I changed how I went about things. I was not a perfectionist to get to the tour. I was working on skill sets and shots and situations. And then when I hurt my back, I went teacher to teacher to teacher. I must have seen like five to seven guys yeah. within a year. And then pretty soon I was looking at my golf swing nonstop, looking at certain positions instead of like going to a teacher and saying, hey, listen, this is, yeah, my back hurts, but it's going to get better. This is a shot that is actually hurting me out on tour. It's not my back. It's the open face coming from the inside, coming down, going, starting right and going further right. So I think, how did things change? I mean, I, I think that I was a hustler a little bit growing up. I took pride in that. Um, and then once I had the injuries, I think I, I started to search too much, you know, got away from a little bit of what made me who I was. And pretty soon, a few years later, there's so many ideas in your head. Now, mm -hmm. not me not knowing at the time, it would help me as a coach for sure, pursuing all those coaches and studying everything about the golf swing. But at the time, that did not help me as yeah, a you player. You got to pick a lot of people's brains. Yep. But did yeah. that carry over to how you are as a teacher now, being like you said, you got 100%. all these things? Are you more like, hey, let's work on some shots and let's oh, give me sure. trouble as opposed to like, let's get on the camera and try to be perfect? Yeah, there's not many days or weeks that go by on tour that someone doesn't say something like, oh, Boyd was a really good player. Not that that doesn't hurt my feelings now. I love what I do. I couldn't have dreamed that my life would turn out as good as it did. I love coaching my kids, love coaching, you know, everyday people and the tour players, but it's still, I understand why I didn't succeed, you know? And so, yeah, I, I don't veer far from, you know, that lesson that I learned. Right. So if, for example, like, um, when I first turned pro, I also changed every piece of equipment. That's another mm -hmm. error. Right. So I was caught in a weird place where I was playing a tailor-made five ten driver. I hit it great. I was long, I hit it pretty straight. That's what got me to the tour. I drove it really good for like a year and a half. Well, I changed companies and the edge of the driver was rounded. Well, I didn't know at the time that I was hitting it purpose, not intentionally, but I was hitting it off the toe to save a little bit of an open face and it would just go right down where I wanted it to go. Well, all of a sudden I changed equipment and the driver I hit, the end of the club, where I was probably hitting it a little bit was rounded. Mm. All of a sudden, I'm like hitting that high yeah, right. And right. Like yeah. just things are looking different to me. And I'm thinking, and I'm not understanding it at the time. It took me years later to think, oh my gosh. You know, because at the time, remember when Rory was hitting, he was swinging way into out. Mm -hmm. He would catch him off the heel a little bit to offset, you know, the over yeah. curve and stuff like that. Well, I was doing the opposite. I was an open face coming from the inside, catching a little off the toe to negate the, the start line and the curve. So, um, you know, that was a big mistake I made. And so I've, I've helped a couple of tour pros where they wanted to make some changes for, I don't think, what would have been worth the risk to change equipment and just say, hey, listen, I've been there, done that, make your money on the course. Yeah. And then yeah. and then I just, but in general, it was just the chasing a new instructor every time and looking for the secret. Yeah, but at right? the time, it's, you know, it's like, it's frustrating. Yeah. Now you look back and you're like, this might be a good thing this happened. Now I'm a coach to, you know, you got Scott Harrington, yeah. Wyndham Clark, Tony Finau, and now you're you're coaching your kids as well, yeah. which you might have always done, but just imagine if you were still having a su successful PGA Tour yeah. career, like, would you be coaching Preston and Grace and Cam as much? No, would I, would, yeah. I wouldn't. I mean, I spent an enormous amount of yeah. time with them, and there's no doubt in my mind that I wouldn't. I think that's why a lot of times you will see some successful PGA Tour pros um, have kids that are good, but it doesn't happen very often, like the Haas, right? Um you look at uh, who else can come to name where a father and son played good. 
on tour. No. It doesn't happen because they're out yeah. grinding on their own game, right? And yeah. a kid needs your attention and your help, right? So, no, I, I look back on it now. My, my brother was quoted in an article last year of saying, like, yeah, I don't know if my brother how he feels about it, but I kind of feel like he's doing what he was always meant to do. And when I read that, I was kind of like, I don't disagree with yeah. him. Like, my path in life where I was a high-level player, I was number one in the country, I went to Oklahoma State, I did make the PGA Tour, but I had made... I did some great things to get to that point, but then to lose my card, you know, I made some mistakes too, but it was, it turned out to be like this great combination where I did learn some things and I do know a lot about the game, but I made enough errors to where it got me out of playing, but then I could do what I, I feel like I was always meant to do as coach. Cause I love people. I love helping people. And, um, the more I helped players get better, I got, it was just a different rush, right? Nothing will ever you know, compared to playing, right? When you're almost winning the, the Players' Championship, I mean, that's some kind of buzz that coaching will never give you. I think caddying is the next closest thing to playing. But coaching, you know, you're definitely helping people. You're help, helping their careers. But then the influence you have on the younger kids, that's where it gets really cool. That was so. one of my questions was, though, you, you mentioned you don't get the, you know, the buzz of, when you're when you're when you're a coach compared you to get playing. a you get a buzz but it's just yeah. not the same yeah. as playing i was gonna say when you're yeah. out there you know, i mean you're out there quite a bit on the pga tour mm-hmm. and you go out and you follow your guys thursday yeah. friday maybe saturday sunday do you get nervous at all watching them not as much now yeah. i think at the beginning you live and die on on each shot but i guess that goes to some experience of playing too knowing that you just don't want to be like that it's just it's almost useless once you've helped your player get ready to tee off there is nothing you can do so no doubt over the years it got to be where you just look at it objectively and not as emotionally. But, yeah, there's times where, you know, you get into it probably a little bit too much, but nothing more so than when you're watching your own kids play. That's different. That's yeah, on a yeah, different level. Imagine, I've had yeah. to train myself to kind of I remember the first thing for a just long watch. year, too, when you're living and dying by the refresh button yeah. on the plane on the way home. Like, oh, God. Yeah, there's no doubt. A lot of times I'll just have my wife, you know, DVR all the golf, and then – She'll condense it and I'll watch it. And but I don't sit there and I'm teaching yeah. when I'm not on the road. I'm not looking at my phone nonstop and doing that because it just gets to where where it can become overwhelming, right? Yeah. Well, I ask you this because I talk. I've, I've, we see Tony Scott and Wyndham all around here all the time. Yeah. And one of the things they've all brought up to me at some point or another is it's crazy that like Boyd doesn't play any golf that I'm aware or not very much golf that I'm yeah. aware of, and he'll be trying to show me something on the range that we're working on. He'll just grab my four iron and step out there, no range balls, no stretching, no nothing, and just hit laser after like two really lasers annoying, in a row and they're like it. oh my god they like say you can still hit 180 mile an hour with the driver ball yeah. speed right now yeah yeah for sure yeah, yeah, yeah but i mean it doesn't yeah. go straight but yeah i was fast as a player and i can get up to you know last year up to 185 ball speed yeah, i ping a couple weeks ago 182 but disgusting. it doesn't, doesn't go straight else i'd be playing still you know it's 182. But, no but i think guys are being nice but yeah i i still enjoy hitting shots i think the thing i miss about some people say do you miss playing and i'm like I love coaching. I love what I do. I feel blessed. I feel lucky to do what I do, but I actually miss the grind. I like, yeah. I would love going on the range and just hitting balls. Love the feeling of a good shot. And I kind of like the problem solving part and the struggle of it. Like that was cool to me. I do miss that part. Just the quiet of just doing your own thing. Yeah. yeah. I, t- I talked to Charles Howe before we sat down. And he told me at co- in college. I like this. No, it was just, he was like, he, praised, to shake you. A little yeah, bit. he praised you so much. He's like, yeah. Boyd was just good at everything. It was just natural. Like Charles was like, I had to so, work at it. Boyd, like like I told somebody the other day, I was like, I remember one of the first times I went and worked with you out at McDowell. Yeah. We're hitting balls on the track, man. We got the driver out. And you hadn't hit a ball all day, and you step in, and it was like 118. And I'm just like, 
What, what yeah, the hell was that? A, that's like a gift. I have it on the supersized, you know, mode <laughs> oh, you there. So the, so the yours out, yeah. would be at 115 or something like that. <laughs> First off, you could get know? me to 115. I wouldn't be sitting behind this mic right now. <laughs> you can write whatever check you want for 115. <laughs> I know. Oh, that's what, I, I, I mean, he said you're good at everything, though. I mean, it was basketball, golf. You're just a naturally gifted athlete. Yeah, I, w- I was a chubby little kid, but I was I had really good eye-hand coordination. I loved basketball. I played good basketball, but my I didn't do high school basketball because I was already playing a ton of high-level golf, but I do. Basketball was my passion. My dad were one of seven kids, me and Daniel. So in Utah, you know, snow on the ground most of the year. My dad built an indoor practice facility, had basketball hoops in it, putting green, hit into a net. And so we would mix golf and basketball all winter. We- and so... You mentioned you're, you were a chubby kid. Yeah. So Charles told me you always were a little self-conscious about yeah, your weight. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no True doubt. True or false, you might have had him pull over one day on the way to Karsten Creek and you ran to the golf course because you weren't feeling too good about yourself. Yeah, so there's no <laughs> doubt. I was really chubby as a kid. And, and that's another cool thing. Like once you've been like that and you know what that feels like to be at school where you feel like you stick out like a sore thumb, I st- I you know, just treat – you just <laughs> – was I looking at you me, or him? Yeah, I mean, you're talking yeah. to me, but but I mean, it makes you look at life different, people different. But um, yeah, I, I think I was I was self conscious about it. So when we got to Oklahoma State, we were working out like crazy. But and I was we were running about five six miles a day, me and Charles, and then our, our Swedish teammate Peter Davidson. He was in great shape, and it just got to the point where it was pretty easy to do. And then I think I was pretty. I'm kind of an all in or not in at all kind of guy so i'm like okay let's just run out to carson creek i know it's only 13 miles and so i go out there and i i run and i get all the way there and then i'm thinking what am i doing you know yeah, i was so like, awesome. and then i gotta go I just, walk that yeah. monster yeah. yeah so what was that, that story is true what was charles tipping in at on the scales as a freshman at osd was he 135 guy no, he was more 115, 120. Oh, yeah, wait. I mean, yeah, that's the thing I respect. Right now. Yeah, that's it's what like, I respect about yeah. Charles is like he is he's self-made. I mean, everyone has a team. Okay, he he had great coaching, training. His parents supported him. We were, were able to give him the resources to to be who he is. But he always worked. Yeah. He went in there. He was so scrawny, and he just got to work. He just lifted every, you know, probably five six days a week. We we're that's what we do on the weekends. We both didn't have girlfriends. We'd go, we had the keys to the gym and we'd, you know, we'd all, yeah. he goes, normal college goes, stuff. Dude. Boy, yeah. We work. were not the yeah. normal college students. He's like, we sure. go work out at night. He goes, shows you how cool we were. In college. Yeah, for sure. He, he did say, now I know why I sucked, but yeah. he got big, you know, he got strong, he got fast. Yeah. And so he's, he I, said, I, y'all I go to the hell. gym. You would go to cardio. He would go to bench press, trying yeah. to bulk up. But he did say like, first off, everyone knows you as one of the nicest dudes on the planet. But he said, you're the sole reason he stayed at Oklahoma state. That's yeah. pretty cool that, I mean, yeah. he, he says that. Because he said he was so homesick, he was ready to pack his bags and go back to Georgia, but you convinced him to stay. Yeah. I mean, he's told me that story a lot, you know, and that, that means a lot to me because he's a great friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And he was. He was just struggling. He was homesick, but me and him were tight. They called us uh, Choid in college. So, Bo Van Pelt, Ned Lohr, me and Charles were always together. Choid. Choid. So, yeah. I heard Bo was Uncle Bo. Uncle Bo. Uncle Bo, for Bo. sure. Bo, <laughs> yeah. That was a squad. We were good. At one point, we had all four, uh, four out of our starting five on the PGA Tour at one time, so we were good. Yeah, that'll yeah. do it. Well, then you get into co- let's you get into coaching at uh, 32. When you make that decision, yeah. all right, I'm done playing, the injuries, all the things. How do you go get work? How do you put it out there like, all right, I'm teaching now. Who are your first clients? Yeah, so it's interesting. When I got done playing, I was, I was upset, you know? Mm-hmm. I wasn't happy with not succeeding the way I en- envisioned. Um, I didn't want to stay in golf. I always saw myself, I was just going to be a player and that's it. I never looked at my dad and my uncle Bruce did some course design. 
that didn't interest me. I sure as heck wasn't me a, a, a coach or a teacher. I never thought that, you know. And then a guy that I'd worked on some of my life stuff, Derek Bowles, um, I called him up and said, what do I do now? You know, I don't, my, my dad and my family was in real estate. He was successful. My dad would have taken me and I could have made a decent living and worked with my dad and my brothers, but that just didn't appeal to me. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And, and my, my buddy said, Hey Boyd, I know right now you're upset. It stings. You know, you're done playing. You didn't do what you wanted to do, accomplish everything you wanted to, but you still have a gift for golf. And he kind of alluded to kind of the conversation you're saying, like it is in my blood. I'd spent a whole life, 32 years. I started tournament golf at five. So really, you know, 25, 27 years of like thinking about golf, playing competitive golf, like just wanting to be great at it and be good at it. So, you know, he said, just let the disappointment just fade for a couple of weeks, but you're supposed to coach. And he was pretty direct that way. And I was like, man, I don't, I, that's the last thing I wanted to hear at that point, right? Because going to the golf course, I was going to get reminded, hey, man, when's your next yeah. tournament? Man, you were so good, Boyd. Yeah. Like, man, you got a nice swing. What's the deal, right? And I, I wanted to avoid that. And, but when I humbled myself enough and thought, hey, it is what it is. I made some mistakes. I did some good things. And when I came to peace with not having this playing career I wanted, then I was all in. Then it was like, okay, this is this is a great job, and and deep down, you know, Preston was, he was nine when I stopped playing, when I started coaching. Deep down, I mean, I did, I wasn't gonna make my kids play golf, but I thought I could make it fun enough for them where they would choose it or want to be around, you know, the course and be with me, and that's what the long term vision was for me. It's like teaching golf. If my kids end up loving it, then it would be a dream job to me. That's awesome. Do you remember the first lesson you gave where you actually got paid? Gosh, that is interesting. Okay, yeah, I do. Left-hander, Keith Lawton. My buddy, he was basically just trying to help me. I was still trying yeah. to play. <laughs> yeah, here's and bucks. so, yeah, yeah, he's like <laughs> playing lessons, you know. So, yeah, first student that I actually started teaching was left-handed. Awesome. Yeah. First, that tricks it up a little bit. Yeah, they're always too. giving real lessons yeah. to video and breaking it down. Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. First pro that asked you for help. Um, first pro. Um, Charlie Belgian. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would assume uh -huh. it was Tony. That's a big yeah. talent too, yeah. man. Yeah, Charlie Belgian. Yeah, and there big was guys. I, I'd worked with other tour players before Tony, but I'd never worked with someone full time. Because gotcha. when I was done playing, I was content with staying at home and just trying to be the best teacher in in my area, whether that was at McDowell and where I taught in Utah, Davis Park uh, Golf Club in Fruit Heights, Utah. I was like, okay, I can make a living just teaching, you know, lessons and enjoy the game. I didn't have any intention on going out on tour, and then, you know, things changed in 2014 when when Tony reached out to me. Yeah, let's go to Tony because he's the guy that you've worked with the longest of yeah. the tour guys right now. I can remember the first time I played with Tony. Yeah. I must have been 17, 18 years old. You Were know, you still longer than him school. at that point? I was way, a little bit longer, a little bit longer. But he, he competed with me. Which I was nice. like, That's when I knew the kid had something. <laughs> but seriously, watching him for the first time, and he's raw. He's this young kid out yeah. of high school. I saw him, I was like, this kid's special. Like, This is a different right. kid. This is something I haven't really seen before. What was your reaction the first time you saw Tony swing a golf club? Well, the cool thing is, is in Utah, most population is in the northern part of the state, so it's a tight-knit golf community. We all know who the good players are. So the Summer Hayes family was a big name, uh, the Blairs, Schneiders, yeah. mm -hmm. and then we yeah. started hearing about these Phenol brothers. So he's 10 years younger than me, but um, I first saw him playing in a Corn Ferry Tour event at Willow Creek, and uh, yeah. they have yeah him and Gipper. So he had the, he's 16 at the time, and they got a net trying to keep people from going over <laughs> into the fairway, and that net was useless for him. And that's the first time I saw him hit. And then we played together in the Utah Open. I kind of forgot about this. 
I, I would always tell the stories like, yeah, me and Tony met, you know, in 2014. It's like, boy, we played together in Utah Open. I'm like, oh, oh gosh. Yeah. When you're playing your own yeah, mindset. Yeah. Now, and obviously I remembered once he pointed it out. I was like, of course I did. And the thing that stood out to me about Tony was he actually missed the cut that week. And he came out and watched the final round. And he he's the same person he is today as he was then. He's a humble kid, down to earth takes victory with, you know, class, defeat, the same thing. And so that actually stood out to me a lot. I just always knew he handled himself like that. But then when he reached out to me, so when he got his Corn Fairy card, I knew that he had played pro golf for almost seven years to get his Corn Fairy card. And that's when I felt like I made it. It wasn't when I got my PGA Tour card, but it was like getting to the finals yeah. where I knew I'd at least have a Corn Fairy card. I was like, okay, we're going the right direction. Now I ended up getting my PGA Tour card. But for Tony, I knew that was a huge deal because he was grinding and and paving his own way and paying his own entry fees and all that. So I texted him and said, hey, congrats. We're all proud of you. Something really simple. And then like four or five months later, he reached out and said, hey, you know, I'd like to get together. You got some time. So um, he shows up to Davis Park and he gets out. And I, he just said, let's get together. I didn't know whether that was like he wanted to talk about scheduling or mentoring or just some advice. I was hoping it was obviously to work on his golf game, but I, I didn't know for sure. So I see him get out of his his car and he's got basketball shorts on high tops and a t-shirt and I'm like okay who knows and then I see him pull out his bag and I'm like okay we're on we're going for this so we spent a couple hours on the range and then I mean kind of the rest is history a little bit what do you what's the biggest thing y'all have changed from then to now because I mean obviously yeah. here's a guy who's you know a world beater yep. Ryder Cup President's Cup What's, what's the biggest thing you thought he needed to change to get to that next level? His club face. So he played with a really, really open face. So in no matter how much he, you can see in his swing, he bows his left wrist, left wrist, which is de-lofting the club and closing the face. But even with that mechanism, which is very natural to him, he still curved the ball way too much. So first thing for him is he had his right hand so weak on and his left hand was really weak his left hand still is really weak okay because he bows it he can't he can't have a strong left hand grip but we changed his right hand grip a ton which in time changed his face a lot to where you know it took a while for him to start to take proper lines but he basically reached out to me because he's an observant guy he got in contention you know in one of the events and he's like, my ball's just curving way too much and it's spinning too much. To be confident going over this hazard and know that I'm going to come down at the right distance, I just I know i got to change something. So he was curving the ball way too hard left to right, and it was spinning too much. So basically we got his club face way more square. And um, he, now when he hits a cut, I mean, it's it hardly moves. But, you know. Let me, let me ask you one thing about him real quick. So obviously he's a guy that's very, very talked about in the golf, yeah. golf media, golf news. I mean – He's got all the talent in the world. He's got the one win in Puerto Rico. It's always, yeah. you know, when is Tony going to get that next win? As yeah. a coach, do you pay attention to what, what is said about him out there, or do you just try to put that to the side and just focus on Tony? No, I think that helps me too, being a former player, because when you're playing good, everyone, you know, is behind you. And maybe when you're not playing as good, I've been through that too. Like, what's wrong with Boyd? What's going on? And you hear everything, and you can't really control that. I mean, it's impossible with social media and how small the world has gotten with that. Of course I hear things, you know, yeah. I see some of the memes and, you know, <laughs> you're just like, okay, it is what it is. But I think that's how we t- talk about it. It is what it is. I mean, people want to see you win and you're in sports and he's gotten past that point where it feels, I, I just don't feel like he's getting offended anymore or never was, you know, it's like, yeah, he does need another win, yeah. you know, like 
Yeah. No one's saying anything that I don't disagree with. So yeah. I'm not going to get butthurt about it if I'm being honest, you know, like when people say that, I don't get, it doesn't get my temperature up, you know, because we think he should have another win or two, you know, and, you know, it, it hasn't happened. Now, if you would ask me eight years ago, because we worked on the Corn Ferry for a year and this is his seventh year on the PGA Tour, if you'd ask me if he'd, I think he's made $22 million. He probably stopped caring about money a long time ago. He came from nothing. He doesn't care about that. And so he's got all that success. He's played so good in the major championships, tons of top fives, tons of top tens. He's been on the President's Cup and the Ryder Cup. You'd think, dang, this is amazing. But you would be surprised if there was only one win in that, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's just the truth. And so I, I love Tony for the way he is mentally. Like, he's a tough guy. Like, you can you can imagine the things that I get DM to me that aren't very nice. He's getting a hundred times. Whoever's right? mean to you, send them our way. Neither <laughs> we'll, of yeah. us are going to handle it, we'll, but we'll have someone else yeah, handle it yeah. for you. We'll say no one should be mean to Boyd Summerhays yeah, ever. It's one of those things where you're looking, that quote is pretty true. If someone says something mean, but you, their fo- cell phone isn't in your you know, phone. Yeah. yeah. It, How many people don't, say don't, things face-to-face yeah, like that? Yeah. Never. So I think Tony's done a great job of in the social media era of kind of taking the heat because there's a lot of heat. Now, I think Riviera... I think has started to turn, you know, people still feel like he should have won, but I think at some point they start thinking, okay, I mean, what do we want this guy to do? Yeah. You know, his, his, his 64 Sunday. Yeah. His three, his three losses that were probably, you know, the toughest losses to take. One was in uh, the, the world golf event in China. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, he's four, you know, he's, he's leading going the last day and he shoots the fourth lowest score of the final round. And, you know, Tony misses the green on 17, hits a great bunker shot to two or three feet Xander makes like a 25, 30 footer up and over a tier. Great putt. And at the time, we all know Xander now is like, holy cow, this guy's like future future Hall of Famer in my opinion. Well, at the time, you're like, dang, okay, who does this kind of stuff up and over? And then on 18, Xander's ball almost goes in the water, and Tony actually hits a great shot to match it. They both make birdies, and then they go in the playoff and Xander birdies. So he loses there, and then we all kind of remember what happened at Waste management. Yeah, where that's the one I feel like. That's the that, that was the biggest stinging yeah. one, right? China that that rocked him a little bit because he's way more competitive than people think. Just because he carries himself with class and maturity, people get the wrong idea about him. He, you don't grow up where he grew up and play the mini tours for as long as you do. Mm-hmm. People forget about that. He played the mini tours for seven years. He has no quit in him. He is a tough, tough guy, and so to. The narrative that he's too nice to get these wins. I mean, some of these losses, they busted him up pretty bad. Yeah, I'm glad now he doesn't them. show it because that's just the way he goes about his business, right? You saw how his interview went yeah. when he lost at Riviera. He's all so class, class, and that's in the moment. That's getting a microphone right in your face, and he has the maturity and the class and the presence of mind to handle it the right way and give Max his really due, right? Yeah. It's really impressive, and I think that's why people love him. But I think people misunderstand just how competitive he is. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a killer. He really is, and he just, you know, that – those three instances where he shoots the 64 rib yeah. and Max doesn't make a bogey for how many holes? A lot. I think it was the last Almost two rounds ra- at Riviera. That's incredible, holes, right? Yeah. So it is what it is. I'm glad you brought that Xander thing up because it, yeah. I feel like it's the stat. Like it's got Tony's had this many top 10 since his last win or whatever. Some of that's deserved for him not yeah, closing. For sure. Some of it is just he's happened to run into a buzzsaw mm-hmm. in the final round. Like his final round yeah. scoring average is actually like. For a guy who quote unquote doesn't close very well yeah. is actually really good. He just happened to have some bad luck in terms of like you brought up Xander. There's a few other ones, Justin Thomas, Max Holm, you know, these yeah. type of deals where he's just run up against the buzzsaw. So it makes it look worse than it actually is. Well, and there, there's no doubt. I mean, the narrative just changes. When he first got on tour, 
like uh, my brother, I was coaching him at the same time, and other players would be like, "Holy cow, Tony just plays good all the time on Sunday. He's got some, he's got some balls, yeah, you yeah, know." Yeah. And he does. He likes the bright lights, and he he does not back away. He goes for he goes for broke, you know. He, yeah. he goes for shots that some people don't want to go for. He's had so many good Sunday rounds. Well, fast forward five six years, it's like, oh, he can't close. And it's like, huh, yeah. it just he needs a couple more wins, and people stop talking about it. Away. Yeah, it's almost yeah. more impressive that he's able to play his way under the Ryder Cup, right? Yeah, all, do all these things without winning, with the points being so staggered yeah. towards the winner that he plays well so often that he still makes those and, teams, In my opinion, that's pretty, yeah, and that's hard the, to do without winning a bunch of times. Yeah, and all these finishes matter. Like people, you know, he does only care about winning but he's also mature enough to know that six weeks ago he wasn't even playing good mm -hmm. and all of a sudden i mean he has this stretch where fourth second 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 and 14th hey, he's a smart enough kid to be like okay yeah it sucks that i didn't get one win out of that but i'm grateful to be things playing are, really good yeah things are clear things yeah. could be worse yeah. things could be worse <laughs> right mil, not terrible. yeah we're coming up on a nice little five month stretch of rather big tournaments yeah, too so exactly. nice time to be peaking but yeah. let's talk about Something else here, because you have three kids at home yeah. that are carrying on the Summer Hayes family very, right. very well. I'm sure you're extremely, I know you're extremely proud mm -hmm. of them. But tell us a little bit about them, because they're, <laughs> they are stars in the making. Yeah, I mean, we kind of laugh at home, because we're kind of, <laughs> we're all so competitive. Like, um, no one can make Preston more mad than Grace when she beats him. She's beaten him a handful of times from the same really? tees. Oh, yeah. From the same tees? From the same tees, yeah. Oh, Preston, bud. <laughs> Start buying stock oh, right boy. now. Yeah, she got interviewed Grace. at the U.S. Junior, her first U.S. Junior, a couple years ago, and they said, hey, have you ever beaten your brother? And she's like, yeah. It was the TPC. You know, she all she missed was the date and time, you know. Yeah. She, she remembered it, and so did Preston. And when I see those two play against each other, it's kind of cool that she can get under his, his skin more than anybody. Love that. Yeah, yeah a little sibling so you rivalry. Got, you got Preston that's 17, right? Yeah. Going no, to, he's 18. 18, going to Arizona State now. next yeah. year. Grace is... 16. 16. Who's going wherever the hell she wants. Probably be on the LBGA here in about six yeah. months. And then Cam. Cam's 13. Cam's already he's been offered stuck. by every school in America. <laughs> well, it was funny. Talking about how, you know, I try to carry myself with class. Tony carries himself with class. I want my son and... You know, Cam and or Preston, Cam and Grace to do the same. Well, I send this. I'm talking to the kids about. You know, I thought Preston got a little too ruffled during one of the practices we had. You know, playing, and he sends me a quote from Tom Brady that says, "Hey, I'm a good winner, but I'm a terrible loser." You know, because Tom yeah. is when he wins, he's really gracious, but he's yeah. a terrible loser. And he's like, "Dad, I hope you realize I'm supposed to be a terrible loser, especially in practice." And I'm like, "Yeah, he's got some truth to it. Like, if it doesn't sting in practice, then." It won't sting at the right time. So I, it's fun to see how competitive my kids are, you know, with each other. Mm -hmm. But just in general when they train. And that's I think that's how it's supposed to be. It needs to be that way. As Charles Barkley said, you show me someone that's a good loser, I'll show you a loser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how cool like for it. them that they yeah. – how, how often do they get to be around your tour players that you're working with? I mean, if they can be around them every day when they go to these junior oh, yeah. tournaments, like who's going to impress me here and not nobody? Well, well, before COVID, I mean, I think that's why – doing what I did and going on the road worked for me because Tony was the first guy I worked for full-time, and he's super. I mean, he's he's Polynesian. They are so family-oriented, it's crazy, more so than even the family I came from. Like, Polynesians, they take that, like, unbelievably serious. So he had no problem with my family being involved, having pressing out on the road, getting inside the ropes, seeing it up close. Like, he enjoyed that part of giving my kids that inside look. And I have so many memories with tour pros. Like, I... It, you know, I don't want to get emotional, but like I think of how good people have been to my kids. Think how, you know, all the moments I got video of you giving Grace a bunker lesson at McDowell. Always playing with Preston. We've played how many times yeah. together and 
like people have been so good to my kids and it does, it plays into, it's my job to help their technique and, and to be their dad and support them and support them as a coach. But I can't take all the credit, you know, first off it's their hard work. I'm trying to do the best I can, but my kids have gotten a lot of benefits from tour pros that have gone way above and beyond to help them learn and be in the mix. And they feel comfortable when Preston played at Wingfoot, it was a cool experience for me because he was like going to compete. He wasn't going, he wasn't getting pictures with guys or asking for anything. He just was there. And cause he, that's normal to him since he was 10 years old, he's been on the PJ tour. I mean, Gary Woodland, you know, he started winking at Preston when he was 11, 12 years old, when he'd see him, uh, Xander at the U S open, he plays with, um, he played with Gary Woodland, nine holes. Brooks Kepka texts him after he wins the U S junior. Tony yeah. played all the practice rounds with him. He played with Justin Rose. The list goes on. Ricky Fowler twice. I mean, people have been unbelievable to my kids. And so I just try to be grateful for what other people have done for my kids because you can't you can't substitute or replace the value of that where each big win that Preston's had, he's hit a really like horrible shot in the final round. Well, he's seen he's played with Tony hundreds of times where Tony hits a really bad shot and he literally just is over it. I can tell him all I want. Hey, Pete, get over your bad shot, move on to the next. But when he sees someone he looks up to and he's grown up idolizing as a golf hero, do it. No questions asked. I can do it. If Tony can do it, and I can do it too. So it's just been cool to see all these people really care about, you know, my kids, and I appreciate it. Yeah, it's awesome. And you mentioned, like, hitting that recovery shot. I mean, he hit one of the best recovery shots he'll probably ever hit in his life at the U.S. Junior on 17 in 2019 when he went on to win a First off, a pitching wedge from 174 yards. Yeah, tone it back. Jesus, Preston, calm down. Game. But you were there, yeah. and he makes the putt to win the U.S. Junior. What yeah. was that moment like for you? That's That's got to be all time. Yeah, that was surreal because 16 and 17, he hits a bad lag putt on 15, but he makes like a 12-footer to tie the hole, stay one up. Hits a perfect drive on 16, wins in and off uh, the right. Bojin hits it in the rough, hits it to 35 feet. Preston's got probably a pitching wedge, 9-iron. And he just barely misses the wind direction. He thinks it's hurting a little bit more, but he starts it out right, and it almost, you know, helps it. And so he's behind the green like 30 yards, tries to hit like a miracle chip because, he, you know, it's he kind of needed to. Misses the green there, chips it to 30 feet. Preston's a great green reader. And, you know, Bo just underread his first post, perfect speed, but he underread it about six feet. Preston makes his and Bo Jin misses, so Preston's still one up. So he is going to be known for that shot on 16. But the coolest thing for me is how competitive. And Preston's had a ton of match play experience. He's won two men's state amateurs. He's seen it all, how quickly things can change. But one of my treasured moments of the U.S. Junior is Brad Faxon. He's a friend of mine. I think he does a great job. He literally says, hey, if I were Preston, i just cut my losses and go to the next hole. Mm-hmm. And that's so cool to watch that after it happened and think, wow, it looked like to everybody else, you're losing your your, your mind and losing the term, just going to the next hole. But in reality, you weren't out of the hole in your mind, you know, and you tied it. So when he hit the shot on 17, like, yeah, I got choked up. That was crazy because he isn't great at recovery shots. He hits it straight. So people who hit it straight growing up aren't the greatest at recovery shots. I bet you weren't great at recovery shots. You never got to practice them. You hit every dang fairway, right? Colts yeah, recovery is playing from the first cut. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I so when to, to have one of the most famous shots in probably U.S. junior history yeah. be a recovery shot like that where he keeps it under one set of trees over the other, lands it on the front. I That's mean, so it, cool. it, he's only it gets me emotional when I see 18, that shot. He won the 
U.S. Junior, the Sonny Hanna, he's yeah. already won, which is a huge amateur tournament. Utah State amateurs. Was there any thought ever of just like, did he did he have any ambition to just be like, you know what, forget college, I just want to go play right now? Yeah, for sure. And I didn't, I didn't push him out of that. Deep down, I knew I wanted him to go to college, but I also wanted him to be thinking big. I yeah. love that the Preston's thinking, I don't need college. I'm gonna go straight to the the tour. Deep down, I'm like, he's not ready yet, nor do I want him to go that soon. But I loved the thought that he thought he could do that. Yeah. Right. And that's important. Like self-belief gets nurtured. I mean, I've always tried to have my kids be self-confident off the course. So hopefully it reflects on the course, but I'm, I will never shoot down anything that Preston or Grace or Cam thinks that they can do because he won the Utah State Am as the youngest ever. Tony and Dan are really good players. He beat their record. He beat, you know, Ricky Fowler and Colin Marikawa's record of winning the Sunny Hannah as the youngest ever. Like, yeah, he didn't want to go to college. Yeah. But then I we had an interesting conversation about that. I'm like, I felt like the way I coached him, once I kind of felt like he didn't want to go to college, it wasn't the, my nature of coaching. Like, I'm saying, okay, he's asking me. He wants to skip college maybe. Well, then I know what it looks like, what yeah. you got to do. And so all of a sudden the coaching got really, really strict because I'm like, he wants to be ready in a year. I know what it looks like, you know. And so – once he made the decision to go to Arizona State, Matt Thurman's a great coach. He's built a great program at ASU. It's close. He gets to keep his coach, his 100%. mom, his family. Yeah. Ping's still there. Everything, his trainer's here. Everything's just normal here. Just stay here until you're absolutely ready. Then you'll go. And and the, the results will tell you when you're supposed to go. What about that little daughter you have, though, Grace? Yeah. I mean, first off, I imagine she, she can go to any school ready. she wants in the country. But, yeah, I mean... She looks like she could go out there right now and compete on the LPGA Tour. So the cool thing about Grace is she was a swimmer mm-hmm. until she was like 10 or 11. I'd go with Preston and help him with his game, and then I'd go watch Grace's practices a couple times a week because that's what she was into. So she built these big old strong legs from swimming. And I think once she just saw how much fun me and Preston were having at the course or how much time we were spending, I think she wanted a little bit of taste of that. And I think it was seeing Preston's success that made her want to, mm-hmm. you know, play golf because I think she's a competitor like it wouldn't matter what sport she was playing she's nasty like I love that like Mm -hmm. she's only trained with boys and guys that are bigger faster stronger and older than her and so you have to have a different mindset when you're training with players that are bigger better faster hit different shots you have to be tough and so I you know I love I love all my kids but to see your daughter doing it and want to play against the guys and she played the corn fairy monday qualifying she's going to go do the corn fairy again in vegas i'll sign her up for and she did the the pre-qualifying at mccormick ranch that's and took awesome. 32nd that's out awesome. of like yeah. 68 guys sam burns was putting at tory <laughs> and he's like hey boy grace played with my roommate and she, she, <laughs> lost, awesome. she lost to him by one and i'm like this is oh, so cool awesome. so that's her cool. dream she wants to play against the men someday i don't know what that means whether that means a full card or play in a PGA Tour mm-hmm. event or something she qualifies for. But that's her dream. She wants to play against well, the men because that's all she's done her whole life. Go ahead and make me feel terrible and tell everybody at home how fast is your 16-year-old daughter <laughs> yeah, swinging. Don't sugarcoat it. A couple miles an hour slower than you. So she, she can oh, get up wow. to 100. Okay, good. Oh, yeah, you're still cool. faster. You still bomb it. We're battling. Yeah, bomb. She's like, man, Colt We're bombs bad. it. I did, go, <laughs> hey, I did go to a 47. It's just so I can uh, you know, oh, get it by her just a little bit. But that is so cool. Of I mean, all the yeah. talent you coach in all, all areas of golf, the best prospect you might have might be under your own roof, and it might be your daughter. Yeah, for sure. And I think you know, the men's game is so unbelievably competitive. And I know the women's game is, too. No disrespect to that. But I just think that it was cool to see – 
and, and Preston has no problem with, he loves that people think that Grace is going to be great or support her or know how good she is. He, he loves that. And Grace takes pride in people thinking Preston's really good. But um, Preston's fully aware how good she is. So mm-hmm. when people ask, you know, he's like, yeah. yeah. Everyone's gonna she sense. can hit flighted wedge shots to spin. She can putt. And she hits it far and straight. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a great combo for the, the women's game. Hit mm-hmm. it really far. Hit some great lower, iron, you know, lower irons and putt. And then you got so, Cam, who's just the ball buster of the group. Just yeah. keeps everybody on their toes. Yeah, and that, that, Cam's been a really cool experience for me because he's probably the most like me. Like, I look at him as a kid, and I'm like, holy cow, that is me to a T. Like, constant questions, constant energy, constant fire. And so it's been really fun to teach him. And he's been working hard, and I, I have a different expectation for him time-wise. I, I think he can be just as good as Grayson yeah. Preston. But he's not going to be as good as young. Preston, people knew he was good when he was 11 and 12 and 13. Grace kind of came onto the scene when she was 14. She lost in the finals of the Women's State Am, and she got to the the round of 16 at the U.S. Junior. She was doing some good things, and then she became the youngest ever to win the Women's State Am last year. So they've kind of made their name. But I mean, how many times do you get on a PGA Tour, LPGA Tour, and look and say, "Oh, what were they at 13 or 14, 15?" I was the number one kid when I was 16, 17, or number two, one and two. Me and Charles were going back and forth. I'm yeah. sitting doing a – I'm a coach and doing a you know podcast with you guys talking about coaching, and I thought it would be about playing. So, like, to me, I'm like, Cam, just be patient. Like, I see you being great at 16 and 17. I don't see it before then. Just the way my brain works and I see his size and the age group he's in, if he isn't winning tournaments in the 11 and 12, what makes me think he's going to win him when he goes to 13, 14, when the age and the size is even – or the size is even a bigger discrepancy, right? Yeah. But he did have – a little cool success last week. They played on a course that was really, really tight. It was super windy, and he took second place. And that was, you know, we, we, we ended up, he loved wings. So we celebrate. That's one thing I learned from my playing years, too, is I didn't celebrate the successes enough. Yeah. I beat the crap out of myself for my mm-hmm. failures and got really down, almost too down, right? And the successes, I was like, kind of like, I didn't even enjoy them. And so we had a big party for Cam, Buffalo That's Wild awesome. Wings, ordered what he wanted, and celebrated second place line. finish. You get kicked out of the Summer A's family if your handicap ever drops below a plus three. Like, you got to change your last name. You're it, an embarrassment. If, it's, if it stays worse than that for multiple months, yeah, you one month you're go fine. Go by your middle name as yeah. your last name. Cam's, Cam's got the trash talking down already. Yeah, I Cam's unbelievable. Ago, I think he was nine years old. Yeah. Me and him played Grace and Preston out of McDowell. Yeah. And I'll never forget, I think Preston or Grace had like a 10-footer to tie the hole. And he's like, just quit wasting our time. Let's just go to the next one. Like, yeah. he's already got it. He's, yeah, you know, he's he's really lovable. People like him. Oh, you know, bad, people yeah. that follow my social media, they love Cam's personality and how yeah, he yeah. just he's the man, you know, and he just it's gonna take him a little bit longer to get good well, at the game, but he'll get he'll get there. They're gonna be I, unreal. I believe in that. Yeah. But, yeah, they're gonna be big bright futures for all of them for sure, but we could do this all day, but we gotta get to the emergency nine. Well before we get to the emergency nine with our guy Boyd Summerhay we gotta tell you a little bit about Austin cocktails because these things are fantastic. If you're looking to get amongst it, Austin Cocktails is the way to go. The cocktail that packs a punch. Quick math quiz for you, Colt. Would you rather have a cocktail that has twelve point five percent alcohol by volume? Or five. Go. Uh, a, 12.5. Correct answer. That's yes. what our guys at Austin Cocktail do. They are delicious. You know, obviously easy to carry around. They're perfect for the golf course. Tastes like a true cocktail, not one of those lightweight sissy seltzers. Um, I love them. I'm a big fan of tequila, as you know. So I'm on the sparkling margarita one. Solid. It is delicious. Go check these out. Austin Cocktails. Obviously, they're good for you, too. Low carb, low calorie. Yeah, it's two cocktails in one. I mean, what more could you ask for? Instead of going to the course and ordering some watered-down vodka, whatever, Stack one of these up, and you get two in one, and you don't got to worry about it being all watered down and wasting your money. Yep. Go check it out. Austin Cocktails, they are delicious. 
All right, here's the E9 with Boyd Summerhays. Oh, let's go emergency nine. Let's hear it. Nine fun questions about the great Boyd Summerhays. We ask this to everybody. Okay. Movie made about the life of Boyd Summerhays. Pick any actor, dead or alive, to play. Who are you going to pick? Um, Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, okay. Okay, he's going to have a busy docket yeah, he's, coming up. Yeah. He's like a lot nine, of golfers. Think he's about like nine guys. I don't think I look yeah, like him. Be, he's just like one of my favorite. I think Matt Damon. So I mean, yeah, he's going to be. Booked no, but for you a do look time. like him. Yeah, I no, actually not, not for me, for you. Oh, Matt Damon. Yeah. I reached out to one of your pupils for this. I said, "Who would you pick?" And I I texted Scott Harrington, and he said, "Neil Patrick Harris." Who's Doogie Howser? Oh, <laughs> oh wow. thanks, Scotty. Which, that's a child prodigy, though. Who's you were a child prodigy. Harrington said that. No, Scotty Golf's awesome. So everyone Scotty knows Golf's I wear black as a player. But he, for my birthday last year, he went in the archives and got all these pictures where I'm playing. And I've got white pants, John Lindenberg, pretty tight, yeah. striped shirts, and he's like, uh huh. Black became a thing just because you're, you know, fat, basically. You know, so <laughs> Scott's true. Scott's the man. I love that he Doogie Hauser is my. Well, that's perfect because he's actor. talking like about that. your wardrobe. Goes into the next question: Who spends a longer time getting ready in front of the mirror, Wyndham Clark or Scott Harrington? This Wind- can't even be close. Wyndham. Very particular. Really? Oh, do you think Scott? I would have well, Wind- said Wyndham. I would have said Harrington. I mean, Scott. Yeah, he he likes to have all his outfits lined. Now up, I'm in trouble. Wyndham's both a of them. Pretty huh? boy. You worried about losing him to the Bachelor? Yeah, no, he he would be a great Bachelor, wouldn't he? Yeah, he would be. I think he's good right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, next question. You got to put your thinking cap on for this one. Kay. Okay. Have you ever possibly rubbed one of your coach's nose in the dirt? Oh, my gosh. That is awesome. <laughs> Coach holder, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I heard you had some legendary wrestling matches. That That's my favorite college story outside of the golf part. So we knew going to Oklahoma State, you know that Coach Holder has this reputation of being borderline crazy, right? He's, he's intense. Terrifying. He's cra- terrifying. So we go there, and I'm like, this guy's like a big teddy bear. Like, no big deal. You, If you go to class, you work hard, stay out of trouble, this is easy. So Coach Coach Holder loves wrestling. Oklahoma State's known for wrestling. So John Smith, world champion, he's the coach of the, the team, the wrestling team. He let me and Charles go to a couple practices. Well, I know nothing about wrestling, but I knew Coach did a little bit. And for some reason, we are at his office. And I just kind of grabbed his leg because he kind of mimicked he was going to grab my leg. And I just I just caught him off balance, and he literally falls on his face, and he just scuffs up the top of his nose. And so Coach Holder's kind of his own man. He doesn't care. He just puts a Band-Aid, big old Band-Aid over it. So me being the courteous, kind kid I am, you know, shit talker, I kept going to his office every day saying, hey, how's that nose? Hey, let me see that Band-Aid. Man, it looks like it's healing up. Just totally patronizing him. So me and Charles were working out one Friday night. And it's just me and him, and all of a sudden we hear the door open, and like this sick little chuckle, and um, he goes, "I'm ready for my rematch," and I'm like, "Rematch? I literally just knocked him off balance, and he like <laughs> yeah. scuffed his nose up on the carpet, you know." And literally, I had a zip-up jacket. Zip-up jackets. It doesn't matter how hard you pull up over your head; it ain't coming off. So, um, and Charles will. This is the truth. Coach Holder basically is chasing me. And he's yelling at me like, just take it like a man. Come, you know, wrestle me. And I know he's going to just whoop my ass. So I'm like running around the weight room, jumping benches. Finally, I'm just like, okay. So he gets a hold of me and he's trying to pull my jacket up. And it's literally, it's kind of like choking me a little bit. Can't breathe. And Charles (laughs) is my best friend. And Charles is in hysterics. He's like, coach, like, you're going to kill him. You're going to kill him. him." So, you know, Charles, you know, I may have saved him like staying at Oklahoma State, but he might have saved my life. So coach, (laughs) let me take off the jacket. And, of course, he gets me down, pins me, and he's saying, cry uncle, cry uncle, and I won't cry uncle, um, and I won't do it. And he just gets so pissed. He's like, you you know, knowing you're beat, you know, cry yeah. uncle. So 
I'm just like me and Charles are sitting in the weight room and it's like really awkwardly quiet. We're like, Oh, that's what everyone was talking about. That was that coach holder moment. We just both had. So me and Charles are like, okay, Charles is still on the team. You know, I'm not sure if I'm on the team. So we're like, what do we do? So we call over to his house and Robbie, his wife answers it. And she's just always in a great mood. So I'm thinking she doesn't even know what's going on. Cause she would always answer the phone or greet us nice. And all of a sudden she's like, Mike, it's Boyd and Charles. And you hear him just chuckle in the background and says, hey, tell him I'll see him tomorrow. He he was over it. He had great fun. I heard it got yeah. intense. Oh, it was intense. The match was intense. It was That's really awesome. intense, yeah. Wow, wrestling whole True story. I, never, yeah. I never thought we that We laughed was about it. I, yeah, I saw Coach Holder for the first time in 18 years, took the kids back to the Carson Creek, the Ping Invitational, and we were laughing about that story. That's so, funny. Yeah. That's good. All right, and this next one's a bit of a story, too. What's the best prank one of your students has ever played on you? Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. You talked to Tony, didn't you? Oh, perhaps. Okay, so this is good. Tony played some great golf. Tiger Woods is, you know, Tony's childhood golfing idol. He's played great. He's clipping through the playoffs. I mean, his world rankings high. It makes all the sense in the world that he's going to get picked, especially since he just played the Ryder Cup. He's got experience. The teammates like him. So, in China, we had been FaceTiming, and you know, doing our normal thing during the tournament week, and then all of a sudden he gets done. He didn't play good that last event. It was a you know, event where there's no cut, but he just didn't play any good. So he didn't text much that night. So I thought, okay, that's a little weird. And then he had his caddy, he had his agent start texting me and say, Hey, have you talked to Tony yet? And I don't even know why the heck I started to buy it, but they did a lot of work. So at the time his caddy's Greg Jibo, we call him, but he's like, man, have you heard the news? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then I text Tony and, you know, man, maybe you played good enough. It's just a decision, you know, blah, blah, blah. My condolences. He's like, hey, bro, I get it, but we'll we'll chat when I land, you know. I just – I, I'm gutted. I can't, you know, thanks, you know. So he lets this thing go on for two days. So <laughs> all of a sudden alive. eating me alive and he tells me, the player that gets in in front of him, I'm thinking, what the heck, you know? And I'm like, you know, whatever, because picks are picks, and uh, you know, no excuses, you know, we didn't make it on points, whatever. But I'm just bugged, and so for two days, like, I'm just like feeling it for him because I feel like he deserved to be on, and I know he's gutted hearing it from Tiger. He didn't make the team, so it's the day of state, and I'm watching Preston Grace, and he FaceTimes me, and so. I'm just thinking this is the first days back from China, so I answer the call and we're talking and he's playing it great. He's sad, his you know, face is kinda sunk a little bit and and it just keeps the conversation just keeps on dragging on, but I'm still not catching on and all of a sudden he's like he said, Come on, Boyd. You know Tiger's a smart guy. <laughs> That's awesome. He picked me yeah. and his wife's recording it and he says he picked me. And I'm like three or four seconds where I'm just like quiet. Like it didn't register because he did not make the team. Two days yeah. ago, I yeah. knew he did not make the team. So, oh my gosh, he got me he so good. I was good. Yeah. 36 hours or 48 That's crazy. hours. That's a long time to make a guy days. suffer. That's crazy. Yeah, I was yeah but he got me good days. and he still laughs about that. That's the only time I've ever gotten taken because I'm always doing the practical jokes and the pranks. And that one, he's like, I knew I could get, it, get that one because when you did find out, you know, and it was funny because I was saying things like, man, you know, I think t- the world of Tiger Woods, I think he's a golfing genius. And I, that's what I was saying to Tony going into the selection. Hey, don't be nervous. Tiger 
knows the I, game. I You're on. Yep. Tiger gets it. You're on the team. So when he didn't, I might have said, well, what does Tiger know? You yeah, know, I might have I might have bashed him for a day or terrible two. Captain. By the terrible way, captain. Double Why now, is he yeah. a captain? Yeah. Let's stay on Tony for a second because obviously you are great friends. Yep. You're his coach. Y'all spend a lot of time together. Is there anything he can do to push your buttons a little bit, maybe get you a little bit, other than the prank? So when we first started, occasionally he'd want me to play. So I'd play like a nine-hole match. So I finally have a chance to beat him. And it's at McDowell. It's on 18. It's just a nine-hole match. But Tony, he must have been like the best, like, you know, hustler and like money game guy. But I got like the six-footer for for the win. And he times like the falling of the flag to where right in my backstroke, the flag just hits it and I miss. And then he has this laugh that's the greatest laugh ever, ever if it's not towards you. <laughs> and he just laughing like he could care less. It was my chance to beat him, you know. And um, yeah, pushing my buttons. Uh, you want me to tell you what he told me? Yeah, let's hear it. He told me to ask you if you have something in your teeth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's he pretty good. He said it drives him nuts. Yeah, there you go. That's pretty good. Oh, he's unbelievable. He's a funny guy. He is. Yeah. Funny guy. All right, next question. I need to put your thinking cap on here. This okay. is a real question. All right. Colt and I, we play the entire year on the PGA Tour together as a team, our our best ball yeah. against the world. Where do we stack up in the world golf rankings? If you, say, miss one if you say we lose our card, I'm going to be very upset. No. It. Best no, ball. You know, you, we're one player, but we're a team. You come close to uh, – you go deep into the playoffs. Okay. Are we at East Lake? You mean? I'm, I'm not. I'm not there yet. But <laughs> no, you do. You do well because cold alone exactly can do it. Of and then we know. I mean, you're. You know what? You're I can one do of, well. We already know what you, you can do. Yeah. 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 My moxie with no. You guys would definitely keep the card. Go to the playoffs. Moxie. But I think probably. What do you call it? Your little walk-in putt. The museum? Oh, the museum or my whatever. My putter? Yeah. Yeah, my putter is the museum. Oh, the museum. Incredibly warm. I don't. I don't know if it would work. You know. Good enough to get to the tour championship, but I think oh. you guys would get through the first playoff event. Hey, but we're in all the invitationals next year. That's a lot of money. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're good. Thirty first is fine. That's fine. All right, we're next, rich. All right. Next question. Explain to me how you go from teaching some of the best players in the world to weekend hackers like Connor Trias, Brian Urlacher, and Larry Fitzgerald. Oh man, that's hilarious. Larry, Brian, and Connor. Connor, Three all the legends. Celebs. Connor. Connor is the greatest. He's the best. He's special. He he forgot his clubs the other day. He's like. <laughs> I'm still coming. And he's like, what is he, 6'9", 6'10"? And he legit, like, he needs long clubs. A lot of people get long clubs that are tall, but they're actually, their hands hang down enough they could have had standard clubs. That was a fun lesson. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's what actually is my niche a little bit is that I teach all ranges of golfers Mm -hmm. because I think even when I saw Tony, okay, and I saw his crazy weak hand, right-hand grip and – Four, or his right arm was really on top of his left. I'd already seen that five to ten times just from average golfers. And so, like, I, I enjoy teaching the everyday golfer. Like, a lot of people ask me, like, what is what is the my most favorite student? They assume it's going to be the tour player. And I, I love working for my guys. But, like, the everyday guys, I get a kick out of it. Because they, they love it. I mean, they're, they're coming to you because they, they feel like they stink at the game. And if you can make them play a little bit better, I love that. I mean, you got just three monsters, too. Connor, and then you got Erlacher. Yeah. And Larry Fitzgerald. By the way, I played with Larry last week. You've done some incredible work with him. A little better? He's playing. He's just still got he's a little a good dinged dude. up brain up, yeah, up yeah. top, but uh, he's hitting it much, much better. I played hey. with Connor last week. He's still terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. I'm kidding. I got to text him, get him back in. And and the cool thing, like Brian, like, you know, when he came to see me, he was, you know, food set me up with him, and he's like, 
I can't hit it anywhere. And I'm like, Brian Urlacher can't hit it anywhere. I can't wait to get and just see what's yeah. the issue. So I see one swing and it's like a six iron at the top. It's like an L wedge. I'm like, okay. Oh, yeah. His club head, yeah, his club head speed was like 95 on a six iron. I'm like, you want the good news or bad news? He goes, both. And I said, well, the good news is you're faster than tour average. The bad news is you are hitting that six iron like 135 yards. Yes. And we hit it off ever since then. He's a great guy. That's and he played awesome. really good in his He's last incredible. celebrity event out in Florida. That made me feel good. And then, um, yeah, I love teaching those guys. So the cool thing when Larry reached out, I'd heard that he wanted to come and see me and over the last year or so, but he finally does it. And he puts me and Tony on a group text and said, Hey, my name is Larry Fitzgerald. Um, <laughs> Never heard of you. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I, when I teach, I pretty much teach all day. And so I do get back to my messages at the end of the day. But for this one, I'm like, okay, I'm really not going to respond for a little bit. And then I act as if I don't realize Larry's on the group text. And I said, hey, Tony, who's Larry Fitzgerald? That's and awesome. so, and I just leave it at that. And then I send him a picture. So I'm not a big, like, um, I don't collect a lot of memorabilia. But I actually have always liked Larry Fitzgerald and the way he handles himself on and off the field. So I have his jersey at my house. And so to follow up me saying, who's Larry Fitzgerald? I sent a video from my house of his jersey. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm excited to help you that's out. That's awesome. Yeah. Is this you? Yeah. yeah is this, <laughs> is this the Larry Fitzgerald? Yeah, yeah. That's great. He's the All best. Right. Next question. I got a little business idea for oh, you here. Let's go. <laughs> Boy, we're doing a little business. Go. I don't know how this is going to go, but we're going to figure it out here. Have you ever considered studying yourself out like a racehorse to parents who want to have a champion golfer? <laughs> I think this is a fucking... If I put this it's in a front genius of, question. In front of Mark Cuban. That is you awesome. Stack. Stack. Oh, thanks, All man. All these I, parents that want stud kids? <laughs> I got an idea. That's the greatest question I've been asked. That's a good, that that's is a good great. idea. I love that one. That's like, what's a shark tank? That's a shark yeah. tank idea. Shark tank. Let's see what the Mr. offer Wonderful. is and we'll you go from it. there. Yeah. I'll tell you, I might be but your I'm first flattered. customer. I need one. That is awesome. I'm calling you first. All right. All right. Our last question. Okay. <laughs> At what age did your son Preston first beat you on mm. the golf course? And more importantly, how did you take it? Oh, this is great. So, I mean, my job is to like build my kids' confidence, make sure they're confident off the course and on the course. But don't say you threw this. But match. like, but like, when it comes to golf, like that wasn't the way I was going to build his confidence is by letting him beat me. I knew it was the opposite. Like, try to beat him for as long as I could. Pummel him. Yeah, exactly. So that wasn't how I'd build his confidence. So, you know, he was getting pretty good. I could tell it was going to happen, but I still didn't want it to happen. So we're at Davis Park in Utah in the summer, and he beats me on the 18 holes. So we get done, and I don't acknowledge it. I was like, we got, we always play pretty much sun up to sun down. I'm like, we're not done yet. You know, we're, we're playing till dark. And so we play at least another seven, eight holes. And right when I finally catch up and I'm one ahead, I said, okay. That's it. Time to go. You know, that was a heck of a run, P. You almost oh. got me. And I took that one too far. He kind of teared up, you know, but I was like, oh, shoot. Like, he literally <laughs> kicked my butt, and I kept playing until I got him. And so, yeah, he, uh, when he beat me for the first time, that was really cool. But then it, it, my ego was saved a little bit. When he was 15, he shot uh, 65 60, 19 yeah. under in the USAM qualifying. So I'm like, okay, good. My 14 year old now, 15, is beating other people, not he, just me. He told but... me you acted like a child just for the Yeah, record. exactly. Well, I think that's like a child. <laughs> We're going to have finally you back in a couple me, years yeah. and be like, tell us the last time you beat Preston. Yes. Like, Never. Yeah, it's been a long time now. He's really good. You know, yeah. he, he, he just plays with the tour guys, plays money games. He's not afraid to to play. He always plays $50 Nassau with, with the tour guys, well, stro think, straight up strokes. I think he has to give Sleaze and I two aside right There's now. no doubt about it. I mean, it's not even up for debate or else I'm not showing up. Oh. Two aside. Two aside. No he's man. so confident he would still he would do take, it. You guys would take his money, but he would just do it just to do it. No doubt about it. Yeah. 
Well, you're the best, dude. Boy, thank you so much yeah, for doing it. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm you gonna guys call are you awesome. About that. I need a champion in the family. You know hey, thanks I mean? for having so me on. Run that by your wife. <laughs> yeah, you guys are awesome. You guys are great friends, and you guys have done a heck of a job with the show, and, and it was fun being on with you guys. Thanks, dude. Thanks, really brother. appreciate it. Yep. All right, that was Boyd Summerhays. I mean, one of the nicest dudes on the planet. Obviously isn't scared to run to the golf course back in college. Thought he needed to lose a few pounds, so why not just run eight miles to Karsten Creek? And I stand by my business proposal there. I think there are big legs for that business. If he wants to get into the racehorse stud business right there, business. there are a lot of parents out there that would be like, oh, yeah, I'll take some of that. I'll probably have a major champion in about 18 years. So he, be a good I, investment. That The genetics in that family across the board, it used to be like you saw Summer Hayes on top of the leaderboard. And you're like, yeah, which one? Because there was like five of them that could be doing it at the time. That, that family is, a, is an icon in Utah, and now he's branching out, and he's got some good young talent uh, in his stable. And, I mean, he's really helped Tony become – of a huge talent to like a great player. No doubt. You know? I mean, he has transformed Tony. I mean, Tony, Tony Finau is a great talent, but he's transformed him into a world-class player, an elite player. And we're just waiting on him to knock that door down and get the next win and then have his, have his career off and running. But it's going to be very exciting to see what one of our past guests does. Tony Finau. I know we're always, we're always rooting for him, but we got to thank Boyd Summerhays for sitting down with us. Always, always a lot of fun, but sleaze. We got to talk about our gambling. You want to skip week. this part? This I, I would love right, to skip this part. Show. Thanks for coming out. Listen, we had a very bad week. I took Xander Schauffele, Mr. Sure Thing, MC. You take Webb Simpson, another Mr. Sure Thing, MC. But I'm going to take a moment real quick to talk to our boy Justin Thomas because a month ago I sat down and for this one and done, I'm in a couple of these one and dones where you pick a guy, you know, you can't use him anymore like we do here. And I was, I laid out all my majors, who I wanted to save these guys for, and the players champ I consider a major. Because it's two point seven million dollars more it's importantly, major money, yeah. exactly. And Justin Thomas is my guy for the players. I'm taking him. I'm dead set. He's in stone. Well, I make the mistake. I text JT on Sunday before the players say, "How we feeling, dude? Everything good? I haven't talked to you in a while." He goes, "You know, but I'm not. I'm not doing great. I've been better." Like he goes, "I'm playing shitty. Um, you know, swing doesn't feel that good." I was like, "Yeah, but you know what? The good news is you're heading into TPC Sawgrass, a place you love. You love it. It's gonna cheer you up." He goes. Yeah, but to be fair, honestly, I liked it better in May. I'm like, Jesus, this guy is basically saying, do not take me. Say one thing to make me still take you, anything. So what do I do? I panic. And I'm like, you know what? He's not in a good place. I can't can't take him. This is a huge week. I got to have a guy make some money. Boom. Bail on JT. Take Xander Shoffley. Go from $2.7 million to zero. No big deal. Zero. Yeah, that's all it takes. That's what I talked about, dude. You got to be careful how much research you do. Sometimes you can outsmart yourself. You never talked to JT that week. You pick him. You got 2.7 in the kitty. Uh, things the, are good. Things would be looking good. Now they said suck. we both missed. How about Webb and Xander both missing for the rest of the year? This will be. We'll look back. Be, oh yeah, that was the one. They'll go 22 events apiece without missing without missing another cut, and neither of us get on the board. The whole reason I picked Webb, I was like, I know he can win if he plays great, but even if he plays bad, I know I still expect him to be top 20 somewhere and still get a bunch of money for this thing. He was like my safe pick. Just can't afford to miss the weekend, and then sure enough, both of those guys. I mean, it was. I would be. I would have taken a lot of action on what do you think Webb and Xander will both miss the cut yeah. the same week at well, that place. Well, it's time to rebound, Sleaze, because yeah. we are on to the Honda Classic. Producer Mark, obviously nothing changed since we both made $0 this week, so I believe Sleaze still has the honor. Yes, he does, uh, and the lead is still $17,821. It's hard, hard to make up ground when you make zero. Snuggy. God, That's like is... both making triple. All right, you're up still. Still your honor. All right, here I go. I'm going in. We're going into PJ National Week, Colt, a week that is a tough one for me to watch, given my uh, history around that place, final stage of Q School, basically where my career died. But going in this week, I'm going to take the guy who's the number one betting favorite. I'm going Daniel Berger. He's 10 or 11 to 1, depending on where you're looking. Last year at the Honda, T4, okay? 
coming off a top 10 at the players, and that's a good week, obviously. But the, the impressive thing about that was he lost strokes uh, putting for the entire week last week by like a pretty substantial margin, but he still finished ninth. He gained strokes in every single ball striking category for the entire week. So he hit it great, just didn't putt well all week, basically, and still finished in the top 10. So at PJ National, I'd rather ride a guy that's hitting it good than putting it good because you got to hit your ball around that place. It is a terrifying joint. Two weeks in a row where a lot of holes that can jump up and bite you, but I'll go Daniel Berger for my team sleeves this week. Well, Sleaze, that's a great pick. Obviously, he's the favorite for a reason. Playing yep. as good a golf Going as anybody. Um, this, it's, it's an interesting week, the Honda Classic. Zero top 10 players in the field. I believe only seven of the top 50. So it's an opportunity for a lot of guys. And I'm going to go with a guy, defending champ, ball striking machine. The wind can get to pumping around PGA National. I, I, saw it's, I know it's quite a few days away, but gust up to 35 miles an hour on Jesus. Sunday. And there's no one that hits their irons better and controls it in the wind better than Sung J.M., Let's go, Sung Jay. You're my guy this week. Do not let me down. Uh, what does hell sound like? Oh, PJ National and 35 mile an hour winds. Yeah, that's pretty high up there for me. I mean, the place is miserable when it's blowing five. Now you're gonna get 35. Good luck on the bear trap. That thing. I mean, if it blows like that, this winning score could be something super close to par this week. Yeah, which is re- really fun to which watch. Would be sweet. Um, and as far as like maybe a dark horse, someone you're looking at to try to make some value. Guy that's a ball striking machine, loves the wind. Kevin Streelman going off around 71. I like him. This I week. like that. He's one of the few guys that from All Arizona right, so you're play out there and uh, <laughs> actually plays well in Florida. Yeah. yeah. So you're dead, Kevin. Tough yeah, break. But yeah. uh, we both like you this week. So there's some upside. All right. Well, another big, big week coming up next week, Sleaze. We got the man Thunder Dan. Dan Marley is in studio. I mean, one of the legendary NBA players, huge golfer, and was so much fun to sit down with. He's awesome. Could have told basketball stories. Um, you know, for days. I mean, getting into that dream team too, the team that won the world championship I've never seen in you Toronto. So oh, we'll do that too. That was like maybe the, they were the anti dream team one, which was like all pros, you know, classiest dudes in the bit. They went out there and won every game by a million, but they did it with grace. And then here comes dream team two. They're dunking on people's heads, winning by 40, grabbing their nuts as they ran down the court. It was just one of those anti dream teams. And it was a team that, that, that squad was an absolute monster, but a lot of great stories from thunder. Yep. Thunder is a blast, but that's going to do it for us. We'll talk to you on next week's Golf Subpar.